Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number one of the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Today on the podcast, I have PJ Hassett, who flies 747s at, with uh, Skylease, based in Miami. And uh, he's going to talk about his journey through aviation and uh, how he is where he is today. So, uh, hey, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, glad to have you on. But And uh, one question I always like to ask other pilots um, is why aviation? Why in this crazy industry, you know, that runs essentially 24-7, 365? Ironically, it's, uh, it was really simple. You know, as a kid, you're changing from week to week what you want to be. And I had an opportunity. Uh, my grandmother took me on a trip to Minnesota out of Chicago and visit some relatives, you know, during one summer vacation. And uh, wound up flying on North Central Airlines, which, you know, merged with Republic, then became uh, Northwest, now Delta. So I give you an idea of, uh, you know, lineage of that airline. And uh, it was a DC-9, you know, kind of trip out of O'Hare. And walked on the airplane. And like uh, most people that, you know, uh, after being greeted by the flight attendant, they turn right to go to the cabin. I turned left. And walked, oh. <laughs> in, walked into a cockpit. Uh, the first thing, like, wow. <laughs> Looked around all the gauges and dials and uh, circuit breakers and switches. And there was a first officer that ironically, you know, popped over, just, you know, looked uh, to his left. Hey, welcome aboard. You know, and, and basically the captain got involved. Okay, here's what an altimeter does. This is how we check our speed. And walked me through everything. And, uh, even with the flight attendant, time to go sit down, kid, kind of thing. Oh, he's fine, you know, kind of thing, and, and left me up there for a while. And it's uh, pre-hijacked days where they had the little accordion door that they usually shut before takeoff. And I had a seat very close up to the front, and I'm leaning through. I didn't sit by the window. I sat at the aisle at that point, and I'm just staring at everything they did. And, uh, you know, a couple times they'd look back and see me in a wave kind of thing. And before they shut the door, the first officer looks, smiles, gives me a thumbs up, shuts the door, off we go for takeoff. That's the moment I decided this is for me. And I held through on it. It wasn't like, you know, next week I'm going to be this, you know, a connoisseur of wine or whatever. And fast forward about seven or eight months later, and it was the end of December, and North Central had a plane crash at O'Hare, right into a hangar. And back in those days, Chicago Tribune published the pictures kind of thing, and that first officer was on board. And, wow. And uh, got killed in the crash. You know, and naturally, I'm inquisitive, like, how does this happen? You know, yeah. Like the guy that, you know, in essence, got me in. And from there, I, I actually, you know, you know, kept on following, how do I get this, uh, what's an accident report, what's an NTSB? Mm-hmm. And went from there and, you know, found out. But it also queued up another interest later in life. Uh, air safety and accident investigation. And so it, it, it's led to, you know, in essence, two tracks uh, because of that. Yeah, so that's definitely quite a unique story there. And how did you go essentially from that moment, you know, as a kid to essentially enrolling in flight school? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure at that time we did not have internet, so you had to go through oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm guessing you had to go into the yellow pages of the phone book. Yeah, for let your fingers do the walking you know. and did that. And there was local airports near me. I'd see airplanes. I'm like, okay, where did that plane come from? And then found out there was a couple local airports and uh, hopped on a bicycle and I'd start hanging out, <laughs> you know, watching the planes. And uh, one of the mechanics happened to notice I was just hanging out all the time. 
And I said, this is what I want to do. I want to learn to fly airplanes. You know, I flew on North Central Airlines, and I go through the whole story kind of thing, in one ear, out the other, probably the mechanic at the time. But uh, he said, so you really want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm interested. And I see you out here all the time. He said, how are you going to pay for this? Uh, you know, so now it's figuring out what's the process. And uh, luckily, he hooked me up with the, uh, the local FBO uh, that he worked for. And uh, he asked uh, the boss, says, you know, why don't we give this kid a job washing the airplanes? I'll teach him. <laughs> so, so that's how essentially you paid for, yeah. I'm assuming you're private at the time. Yeah, so I, I traded time for washing aircraft. You know, naturally, you don't wash an airplane like a car. So he had to tell me, don't spray water here, don't do this here, not, not this soap here. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to do it, swapped out time. And then uh, there was also uh, a thing, too, you know, when you had uh, recyclable bottles back in the day. You had to turn the bottle in, you got a nickel. Yeah. So I go around and collect them <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing, do that on the side, whatever it took to get the cash, you know, kind of thing, and, and earn it. And I wound up ironically earning or uh, completing my solo time and getting my uh, a student pilot certificate before I had my driver's license. Oh, so you're one of those people like myself that got their pilot's license before they learned how to drive. Yeah. And, well, I could have, you know, certainly had the, the, the driver's permit, you know, sooner. But Dad didn't trust me. He said, I can't trust you driving a car, let alone a lawnmower. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And here I am, you know, riding a bicycle to go to the airplane. And, I, you know, I came back, you know, shirt tail cut off the whole thing. You know, Mom, like, what happened to your shirt? <laughs> you know, Here, read. You know, I'm showing him. You know, that's what you've been doing with your money and hanging out. I'm like, yeah, I want to. I, seriously, I want to do this. You know, and it, you know, this is, you know, four or five, six years later kind of thing. And then it dawned on him, okay, here's where he is. You know, and from there, you know, like I said, I just continued in aviation from that point, you know, right up to Embry-Riddle. So how did you actually, now that you mentioned Embry-Riddle, how did you actually find out about Embry-Riddle? Um, I had read through brochures on it, and ironically, it was a high school guidance counselor. Apparently, she just recently got it, and it just popped. Yeah, here, here, take a look at this kid. You know, kind of, I applied to service academies, you know, everything I could. You know, Purdue, I was looking at them, and, uh, you know, Amber Riddle, and we came down here, we looked at the campus, and I was pretty well sold immediately, you know, besides the you know, Daytona Beach, the beach itself. But I'm like, look at this fleet of nice, shiny airplanes compared to what I was flying. Uh, but uh, may I ask what they had at the time, actually? Still Cessna 172s, you know, round gauge, oh. not like what you have now. I, yeah. you know, I'm like, wow, look at these cockpits, you know, kind of thing. And you had Moonies for the advanced trainer. Oh, know, okay. They gave you the complex uh, sign-off. And then they had Cessna 310s, and then they switched over to the Seminoles yeah. by the time I graduated. Yeah, I mean, uh, I did my training in a Diamond 20, which yeah. had the steam gauges. I know the new 20s have the – some of them are screens now. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, the those with the screens are very nose heavy. Oh, so uh, it's always a very tricky weight and balance problem. And uh, I even remember one story where um, the one G five hundred Diamond twenty we had at our flight school. Um, uh, the there uh, the an instructor I knew that I'd done a flight with before and his student were going out on a night flight, and the student was like, "Hey, we're really nose heavy." And the instructor was like, yeah, I know, I know a solution to fix it. And I was going out a night flight with my primary instructor at the time. So I was like, okay, they must have a solution for it. So I, you know, and my instructor and I do our thing. We come back. We come back around the same time that they came back. They were just starting to tie down the plane. And all of a sudden, I see this instructor in the back. 
uh, those that don't know the 20, the, the cargo compartment is right on top of the fuel tank. And he was in the cargo compartment grabbing something. I, I thought it was the tie-down covers uh, for the, the canopy cover for the plane. And in his hands are, is this literally just a sack of gravel about this big. And it just rips open into the oh, <laughs> <laughs> into the into the plane essentially, and some of the gravel even went into the control column. Um, but yeah, he was there for a while cleaning that problem up. But uh, that's uh, always something that I remember from the uh, G five hundred. You know, on the jet side of the house, when you're ferrying an airplane, mm-hmm. you know it's called ballast fuel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it works. Same yeah. same principle. Yeah, yeah, but that 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 was definitely a funny story that I have from. Uh, my f- private pilot days and um, yeah it's also funny to see how we still have the Cessna 172s here after all these years so it's it's a tr- traditionally good airplane and flip a coin some people oh, I like Piper I like Cessna it's just like Ford Chevy yeah you know Boeing Airbus yeah <laughs> you know, same thing yeah yeah but I, I uh, for those that don't know me I actually I'm a big diamond fan because that's where I have most of my time in but you know I'll do it with the Cessna 172 you know they're just well, a little slower. <laughs> ironically, when you go to get your CFI, you know, one of the th- uh, tests you got to take is the FOI, you know, Fundamentals of Instruction Exam. They'll talk about law of primacy in there. Yeah. And it's, you know, what you what you first did or what you know most. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and if you uh, transit to a different airplane, that becomes an issue. Yeah. And that definitely was an issue for me. Um, you know, when I started flying the 172, I was trying to fly it like a diamond, and it wasn't working. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you got to get the feel of the aircraft, yeah. and then you'll figure it out. Yeah, but I've slowly managed to figure it out in the course of an instrument rating. So uh, luckily, I'm still here, so I managed to figure out something right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you continue with your flight training um, at Embry-Riddle. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're coming in with your private at the time. Actually, yeah, I just just finished my private, but but at the time you had to be evaluated because it's a one forty one school <laughs> you know, kind of thing versus Podoc Airport, you know, in Griffith, Indiana, yeah, you know, kind of thing where the, it was a north south runway and uh, Unicom, but they had a road going through the middle, a dirt road, and you had a, a stop for traffic where cars would drive across to get to, to their properties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming to Daytona with a tower, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, dealing with other air types of aircraft and, you know, a whole every riddle fleet. So it was it was quite a challenge. And basically, uh, when you came here, it didn't matter what rating you had, you, know, you still had to pass their way. <laughs> Yeah, in a way, that's the same thing because I had to do a transition to Embry-Riddle course. And, um, yeah, that was definitely interesting. Uh, well, it comes in a factor later. And, yeah, fast forward umpteen years, and you do contract flying for various companies or airlines, and you may have flown this type. I've got 5,000 hours in this type, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's great. Don't tell that to a Czech airman in the simulator or when you're doing the line training. Because generally, the nice answer is, well, that's great. Where, what, what airline? Brand X Airlines. Well, you're not there. You're at Brand Y Airlines now. And here's the way we do it on this aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, that's the thing. Again, the law of primacy yeah, it may work there, but it doesn't work here. You've got to learn their way. And it's standardization is all it's about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like even when I go renting from the flight school across the airport, I kind of notice this very different, you know, kind of operation. Yeah. Uh, there are a 61 school, we're a 141 school, you know. Uh, you know, here we have more standards for dispatch, and they're like, all right, it's raining sideways, but, you know, you're an IFR plan, have fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 amazing the differences you'll see through a career. Yeah, definitely. And uh so obviously you're getting used to the control tower here and stuff. You go through your ratings. And how did you um essentially go about building time because everyone has their own way of uh building time. Did you go CFI, you know, how did you do it? Well, I wound up going in R- uh, ROTC. Yeah, with the intent, okay, I'll go fly, you know, big fast heavy uh, you know, airplanes. Yeah, I, yeah, like yeah, Air Force. Yeah, I don't care about that brand new F-16. You know, be nice to fly an F-4, but yeah, they're phasing them out. I want to go transport. I wanted to fly heavy. Yeah, that was that was my goal at the time. And if it was a military career, so be it. You know, let's keep the options open and see where it goes. Unfortunately, everything is time-based. You know, timing is everything in your career, and you just may be the unlucky time, and it, it'll periodically happen. In some people, it never touches them. It's just, you know, like I said, timing's everything in this business. And uh, the Air Force at the time had very few pilot slots. So I'm like, okay, so if I stand out here and march at ROTC out in the, uh, you know, open fields in a hot summer uh, Daytona day, what's this got to do with me learning how to fly an airplane? Where it's, you know, very limited chance of even getting a pilot slot. And uh, Army ROTC at that point looked better. They dangled the carrot. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody knows left. You'll get the flight school. It'll be helicopters, but you'll get the flight school. And uh, wound up going that route. And, uh, you know, uh, upon graduation, got commissioned in the Army. Went to Fort Rucker. Naturally, as an Army aviator, everybody starts in helicopters. So I got to get, the, I get that experience. And you still maintain your helicopter's uh, license current, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got, uh, uh, you know, obviously the ATP in both. And then uh, uh, my CFI double I uh, and multi-engine on the, on the fixed-wing CFI and a uh, uh, CFI helicopter. So as a consequence, when I go to room and room, I CFI every year. I have a very, you know, hard reason because if I let that expire, I got to take check rise not in one but two different categories. It gets costly. So don't yeah. let your CFI expire. Yeah, that, that's a top tip. <laughs> Never let your CFI expire. You know, that's a valuable resource that I'm pretty sure can help you later, right? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's here's the thing. Like, give you an example. American Flyers. They've got their CFI online renewal, and I caught them early when they first started it, and it was like a hundred bucks lifetime. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so every two years I just got to go online and do their course. Yeah, you, x amount of hours to do it, and you'll get subjects where yeah you think you know it, you know, like regulations, and this block of instruction is two hours and ten minutes, and it took you thirty minutes to read it. So you wind up moving the mouse to get through it, take the quiz, move on to the next. And, but it's worth it because they send me reminders so I can obviously remember to do this, make the time for it. And, you know, th- then if I want to take it to the FISDO, fine. If I'm really lazy or I'm just too busy, you know, pay them the extra 50 bucks. They walk the paperwork for me. Bam, we've got a temporary back in the mail really, really quickly. But it, it's, it's so simple to maintain, even if you have absolutely no intent of ever instructing again. Maintain a currency. You you paid for it. You earned it. Yeah, definitely. Don't let it lapse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And it, ironically, if you're with the airline industry and fast forward and all of a sudden, hey, we're looking at you, uh, uh, considering you for a check airman, fill this application out internally, you know, another resume, blah, 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 copy of all your ratings. And if you have a current CFI, 
it plays into a factor. Ironically, even an expired one one does too. So don't throw out the one. If, if you were stupid enough to let it expire, don't throw out your old ticket. Stash it somewhere in a file. You might need it later. Yeah. And the reason why is uh, the FAA for 121 carriers is when you become a check airman, you're going to take one day's, one day's worth of class, about eight hours, fundamentals of instruction. And if you have currently hold or had a CFI or ground instructor rating, you get to uh, sit that day out. So it saves you a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get a free day off, right? Yeah, you know, in you essence, can, you know, get paid for it, too. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's something little. But like I said, you know, if you, if you have a CFI, don't let it expire. Yeah, American Flyers or any of these other onlines, it's so easy to renew. Yeah, especially, you know, with the age of online, everything is just so much easier. You don't have to, like, you know, march down to your local FISDO and, you know, take care of the paperwork, no, make an appointment and everything. They'll they just take, take care of it for you. Uh, that that's super important to know for those that are going to be listening to this. That you know, keep it current. Yeah. Don't uh, let it expire. Yeah. So uh, you obviously go through your time in the army. Um, at what point did you get to go fixed wing? If you went at fixed wing at all? Well, like I said, in the army, everybody goes rotary. That's yeah. just the automatic because about ninety-five percent of their fleet is rotary. So yeah, a very small percentage gets fixed wing. One good thing about Amber Riddle, like I said, I had my ratings walking in the door there. Uh, I kept on applying. And it's not the kind of thing, even with an Amber Riddle degree and uh, the 141 training of Amber Riddle, you know, we're the best kind of thing, Harvard of the Sky stuff. But uh, you have it. And when you're applying for your assignments or for, you know, additional training, there are many ways to do it. And... I sort of learned that system, and I'm like, okay, here's this fancy form called the 4187, and you got to submit it requesting a school or a particular assignment or, you know, pretty much anything. So I said, doesn't say how many times I have to send this. So I send it in once a month. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I went through official channel, and I'd photocopy it and send it in regular mail, and then I'd fax it, <laughs> and then I'd call my branch manager, hey, did you get my 4187, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I did. You know, I've got a whole stack of these things. I know. This is what I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> noted click. <laughs> and then, you know, the dream sheet, send that in, and same frequency, same methods. So basically, I'm deluging these guys. Not to the point of, you know, pissing them off, but to the point, hey, I'm out here. I really do want this. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And then that's where I'm attaching, you know, my Ember Riddle degree. Here's where I got my training from. You know, I already have the ratings. Yeah. So it's a high likelihood I'll pass your course. Yeah. You know, versus, you know, a virtual unknown. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, talk with the guy enough where he got to know me. It took four years. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if it got literally to the point where one time, you know, chit-chat, hey, how, how's things going? You know, how, how's things over there in Germany? Yeah, doing great, fine, kind of thing. And I said, let me guess. <laughs> and I said, yep, that's what I'm calling. He goes, what would it take to, for me to get, uh, get rid of you, not hear from you anymore? And I said, give me a fixed weight course. And it's one of those things where uh, the old Chinese saying, uh, you know, beware what you wish for, you might get it. Yeah. And he said, I got a fixed wing opening coming up. Yeah. And this is this is uh, about a year or so later. And I just got back from Korea. Yeah. And uh, I was flying Chinooks at the time. I got my advanced training in Chinooks. Got a type rating out of it, ironically. Commercial right. type All because, right. you know, it was a heavy enough aircraft. So, you know, another thing to remember, every aircraft in the military 
you know, there's probably a type rating for it. It's up to you <laughs> to fill out the FAA application form, take it to the FISDO, bring your graduation certificate, your orders for that aircraft, your logbook, you know, whatever air, uh, uh, service-specific uh, logging of uh, flight time forms. Just bring everything there, and they'll add it. It's going to be a commercial. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, commercial KC-135, it's actually a commercial Boeing 707. Yeah. Now it's on your FAA ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's commercial, but it, it right there. You know, they don't have to look at logbooks or, you know, guy, let me see your license in uh, medical. Bam, there it is. Yeah. And ironically, it could also tie you up with that interviewer or examiner, and he sees his rating. BV-234. Yeah. Well, you flew hooks in the Army, huh? <laughs> yeah, so did I kind of thing. Now you've established a, a bit of a personal bond you know, in the process. You know, I've, I knew one guy. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Scenic Airlines out in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, they kept a Ford trimotor for the oddball charters, you know, coming in besides their twin otters, yeah. you know, for their normal day-to-day -day operations. And you could actually get a type rating in, in, in the trimotor. It cost you like five grand in the early 90s. A lot of money. I yeah. Know. But the point was, they're, they're guys, usually pilots. They had the spare cash. I'm not going to buy the boat. I'm going to go get a Ford trimotor agency. I have it. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And they did. One guy, as it turns out, the instructors taught you the plane. The only examiner, he's like 90 years old, and he was a retired United Airlines captain that actually started in that plane. <laughs> <laughs> so right there. And he was a very, very well-known captain, you know, legendary kind of guy at United. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a few years, this guy gets interviewed by United. You know, yeah. Same thing, resume, blah, blah, gets you know, through the interview. Yeah, License in medical, and the guy flips over. You know, one of the pilots, three of them on the board there, FO5. Mm -hmm. And he goes, FO5? And right away, the guy he had the history down. He said, yeah, it's the first type rating ever the FAA gave. That's a Ford Trimotor. And the guy smiles, and he goes, yeah, got that at Scenic Airlines? Let me guess. You know, kind yeah. of. And he started talking the name. And it turns yeah. out the legend's brought up and just lit this guy right there at the moment. They established a contact, you know, and right there, a personality was found between these two. Guess what? It spread to the others. Okay, we like this guy already. You could see the mentality almost in the towels in their faces, because and it, all it was just you know spending that money to do it. Yeah, so so definitely a worthwhile investment. Yeah. That if you see something like that come across to do it, do it. Yeah. So if you're military guys, yeah, take the extra moments, put that type rating on there. Now yeah. getting back to the story. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, it's an important drift so that yeah. people actually understand that yeah. you know these kind of things are important yeah. and do make the difference between, you know, when you go for an interview at United, yes, Delta, American, wherever, it or does. FedEx, you know, yeah. DHL, wherever. Yeah, when I was uh, check airman on the MD-88 prior to 747, uh, I had a couple of Navy guys. Mm -hmm. And one guy flew P-3s. Mm -hmm. Actually, they both did. One of the guys, though, actually transitioned to the P-8. And so, he, you know, I'm like, really? You did P-8? He goes, yeah, you flew like about 600 hours in it. I said, you have those two type ratings on your license? And he goes, no. I said, dude, here's how you do it. And I lived in Jacksonville, and I said, how far are you from the Craigfield Fisdo? And he goes, I don't know, not even 40 minutes. I said, you hike, go get all your paperwork, you go down there, you get this. And he said, yeah, come on, it's a Lockheed Electra, you know, which was, you know, the P3. Mm -hmm. I said, cocktail fun. 
kind of thing. I did it, and it's on my license. But there are you know, a lot of ex-Navy guys, same way. That gets you in the door. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the other one, though, that's the P8. That's going to be a commercial 737, and it's an NG. Mm-hmm. Okay, Southwest is going to like you. Yeah. Because you didn't go out and buy the type, and on there was zero time. Yeah. Yeah, granted, yeah, it's an ATP zero time. Yeah, I got the deal for seven grand. Yeah. yeah, but they, yeah, that's you know, diamond doesn't they run in those guys, uh, guys all the all the time at interviews. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, a lot don't get hired. Yeah, <laughs> they wasted the money, but you you earned it, you flew it. Yeah, it's a commercial type. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, they see it, you're valid. Yeah, and I assume it's not doesn't require very much training to go from a P8 to a 737NG. It's just a no. yeah, they're gonna run you through their type course. Anyhow, yeah. Hey, okay, we well need an ATP ride. This guy. Yeah. Uh, so you go. Uh, you know, obviously, you know that's an important thing to make sure that you know whatever fl- aircraft you have flown to keep them on the piece of plastic that says FAA on it. Sure. Yeah, he did it. He uh, he did it. He got uh, he got on with American. Matter of fact, he's starting class in about two weeks. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know another friend uh, of mine. He's an old instructor of mine. He started at PSA. So. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, working on that, flying yeah. the CRJs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, how you do it. Yeah, but you know, you can pick up any way to pick up additional ratings. Do it, Army. I'll give you an example how I got my helicopter ATV and my helicopter CFI. Uh, you have to be creative in, in the Army regulations or Air Force regs, whatever it is. And at the time, uh, AR ninety five one, you were allowed to do FAA check rides in Army aircraft. Providing it was in conjunction with your current Army training. Yeah. And we had uh, at uh, deval- uh, Division of Evaluation and Standards there, the infamous Orange Patch guys yeah. that travel worldwide standards. And one of them was, was a designated examiner for helicopter CFI and ATP and double I. But uh, basically, he would come, he says, I'm not going to bother the unit. This has got to be on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday, preferably when there's little flying in your unit. I'll come there. Okay, here's the price, whatever. Here's what I expect you to know. And there's a couple civilian uh, GS types, you know, that ran courses. You know, they knew Emmett. <laughs> they knew what he's going to yeah. ask. Okay, here's what you got to do. Okay, here's what the writ's going to do. Walk you through the writ kind of thing. Verify all your times and everything. You give Emmett a call. Hey, this guy's ready. And, you know, Bill knew Emmett. Yeah, he's really ready, you know, kind of thing. And, boom, you schedule the aircraft, you know. And then you had the Army sheet there. Okay, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, I mark it off those days at the same time in conjunction with Army training. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And worked in two, ra- two ratings. You know, I got my CFI, you know, courtesy of the taxpayer dollar. But it was in conjunction with yeah. Army training, I yeah. might add. But uh, it cost me $300 to get my helicopter CFI. And I did it in a Huey. Oh, that's cool. So not an R-22. Yeah. I did a real turbine aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, same thing with the ATP. You know, it cost me two fifty for the ride. Bill charged, you know, I think a couple hundred bucks for each of the other ground schools kind of thing. So, you know, about a thousand bucks, I got two ratings out of it doing what I was doing on my normal job at the time. Well, that's good. And and I'm assuming they're still current, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's important to also. That's definitely the emphasis to keep everything current. So you still go through your uh, fixed wing back to the original what we were talking yeah. about before yeah, we got that. They finally, but yeah, the beware of what you wish for, you might get a Chinese proverb. Yeah. So it was a kind of thing. Well, I don't have any white top VIP C12 mm-hmm. jobs. You know, yeah. you know, nice King Air 200. They said, 
you're going to have to go back to Korea after I send you the fixed wing course and fly the intelligence version, you know, oh. which is, <laughs> you know, stripped down. Didn't even, they didn't even put the pressurization system because, you know, saving weight to put more of the, uh, the black boxes on board to snoop around. Yeah. So sucking on oxygen, pre-breathing the whole bit, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But I'm like, okay. No, you don't seem to understand. You have to go back to Korea. You just got home, you know, from here. Yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you're not going to be flying VIPs. It's going to be cold. You know, these aircraft are misery. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I said, they fly a lot? And he goes, yeah, there's six-hour missions. You know, two aircraft a day, 24 hours a day. And I'm doing the mental math. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Send me the orders. <laughs> yeah. Know? I'm going to rack up time in a real-life world, real-life mission, you know, doing this. You know, and I'm still the maintenance officer. They sent me to maintenance school, you know, plus, you know, get, building the maintenance uh, uh, management experience, you know, in the background on this. So it worked out well. So you still have your A&P as well. Yeah, got my A&P. But with that, you know, being on the, uh, the helicopter side or fixed wing side, I'm in the maintenance management side of that. So I'm, you know, you know scheduling the jobs that need to be on, scheduling the maintenance flows when the aircraft come in and come out of maintenance. So, you know wound up keeping that going as well in case I ever needed it. And also uh, from our previous conversations as well, you uh, strongly encourage people to get your dispatch license as well. Oh, yes. And I'm, I'm really surprised Embry-Riddle dropped this program. They used to have it for aeronautical science majors where, uh, and it was, you know, it was already in your course list anyhow. Yeah. yeah. And you had to maintain a certain GPA in those specific courses you know, along with the regular, you know, the normal GPA, and you had to attend the class. It was a time thing. You couldn't, you know, skip a class either because building the hours needed for the, for the dispatch ground school uh, portion of it. So it was a smart thing. And basically by senior year, it was your option. You didn't have to, and you were stupid if you didn't take it. Yeah. But you can go ahead and take your dispatcher rating. And the dispatcher rating uh, for a pilot is an insurance ticket. You know, you shove that ticket in your wallet, there it is, you know, uh, uh, replace it occasionally when it gets worn out from wallet wear. Yeah. But it's always there. There's no currency requirement. It's part 65. You know, so it's, it's very simple to, 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 to you know, basically have, you know, from that point on. You ever lose your medical, you can wind up at least being in your field as a dispatcher. And who knows, the same company you're working for. They may be short dispatchers, and all of a sudden you drop the medical for whatever medical malady, and it's going to take you six months to get it back. They can literally you may not miss a paycheck, wind up working in dispatch. Maybe at a low rate, but it beats unemployment. Yeah, that's that's definitely a top tip, and also you can uh, fail that uh, dispatch license as many times as you can. As, as yeah, it's well, it, yeah. The the don't, don't fail it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's 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 not the story. But like, if you do fail it, you know, it's not you know the end of the world well that's one thing you're mentioning you know failing a written exam here's a good thing on this the atp written exam and the dispatch written exam are out of the same book so when you take the test you know for a one if you did well on it you're good for the other yeah so my advice if you're coming up for your atp and you haven't done your dispatcher by then it's a good time even then to do it You've got schools down South Florida, and I'm sure they're elsewhere too, but like Sheffield out of Lauderdale is an, uh, another one in Miami, where if you have the written itself, you'll know, self-study it. You, know, you get the FAA 1,000 question book, 20 bucks. 
get the correct year. So if you're going to take this test in 2021, get the 2021 book. Yeah. Don't go on eBay and buy the, you know, for 4.95, uh, you know, plus shipping, the 1987 book. Yeah, that won't help you. <laughs> do you a bit of good, great doorstop at that point. But you can study all thousand questions on your own, and then go take the red on your own at that point. And if you're coming close to ATP, what I recommend, use your dispatcher license as your test exam, practice exam. So, okay, you didn't get a 70. Okay, I got to crack these books again on the dispatch one. Yeah. Okay, and then, you know, clearly score well or try to. And then, let's say you walk in, you've already gotten your, your ATP sign-off from the FAA to go take the rest. And uh, you, you've done the dispatcher. Hey, I scored a 92. Hey, examiner, give me the ATP test now. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Because you prepped well enough then, you're already in the zone, give me the next test. You'll probably do better on the ATP one. Yeah, because it's more focused towards yeah, what, what, what you've been test. training. Same test. Yeah, and it's the same <laughs> test as well. Yeah, so. and you're there, might as well knock it out then. Yeah. But if you, know, if you didn't do well, and on the ATP writ, I highly advise score in the, you know, at least a 90 or better. Yeah. Preferably take one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if they see it's like a temp two, you know, then they're gonna like you know. Yeah, temp five. Yeah, you know, and they see it right there. And this examiner has no clue who you are. Yeah, yeah. He never met you, and he's gonna have driver's license, your know, form eighty seventy application form logbook, you know, blah blah blah. You lay out all the documents. You know, Ritz one of them, and he's just gonna glance down. He's gonna see how many he takes. What's your score? Mm-hmm. And then right under it. Whatever your score is, that's the missed question. That's where he starts the oral. Yeah. So if you get a 92, you know, and you're not dressed for the beach, your logbooks are in order, you got the FA sign off for your ATP, you know, that's all done and well, you're starting the oral off on a good tone. Yeah. And that's definitely a top tip as well, just to yeah. do it that way. It's also an insurance ticket uh, for in case you lose a medical. Sure. Uh, another thing on that red too, even if you score 92, right under it's the questions you missed. Yeah. You better have studied those. Yeah. That's where he starts the oral. Yeah. Don't look like a fool. Because I got a 92, I don't Yeah, he's going to start there. You, whatever you you built at that point, you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? essentially. Yeah. Uh, but you obviously do your fixed wing stuff yeah. in the Army. Um, at what point did you say, okay, enough of the military stuff. Let me go do civilian. You'll get a deciding points in, in, in many uh, careers you know, career fields, or even specific jobs. It just, it just depends on what happens. If you're a commissioned aviator, particularly in the Army, the higher you go up, the less you fly. And it gets, gets down to a point where you're just going to do your 40 hours a year to maintain currency. If you're happy with that, fine. You know, and moving up to the managerial side of the house, you know, commanding yeah. at that point. Yeah, but, you know, You'll see guys when they retire, you know, even the Air Force, you know, same scenario happens. You move up, you fly less. You might get lucky, you know, on some jobs and, and other ones, assignments, you won't. But, uh, but typically, here's a guy that's retired 20 or 30 years, and you'll see, yeah, a 30-year guy, he's an 06, full colonel, you know, uh, wing commander, brigade commander, uh, whatever it may be, and then, boom, yeah, master aviator. Okay, that's nice. And then under it, how many hours? And he's got like 5,000 hours in 30 years. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of. That's kind of. Eh. <laughs> yeah. You know, twenty years, even then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of hours. You know, I had a flight instructor assignment. You know, this or that, whatever. There. Yeah. Well, you know, competitively to the others, you don't. Yeah. Yes, you have military time. Now, what kind of aircraft was it in? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, obviously, you at a certain point, you felt like, okay, this is you know not working out for me anymore. You know, you get out and. Um, essentially like you you mentioned you're flying the mds yeah so yeah i want well basically i saw people that i knew that were you know clearly higher in rank and one in particular we were relatively close yeah he was my boss uh he's a major at the time a promotable lieutenant colonel and uh basically he knew where he was going and he said yeah i'm gonna wind up in a 40 hour year job and we sat down and talked, you know, kind of thing. And it, I, I could get the hints. And finally, I just was very direct. And I asked him, the time you've had it, are you happy with what you've done? And I'm getting the long pause, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, kind of thing. Maybe so, but some things I'm not. What are the some things? I wish I would have flown more. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And I'm like, okay. And you start getting the pulse and the feel. And you're seeing this right around that point i said do i want to be like that x amount of years from now or did i make the right decision and a nice thing about the military you can always go to reserves and guard yeah you know afterwards you know you get out doesn't mean you get out unless you just you, know, you just uh, i'm done with it kind yeah. of thing but you know so there's still options you know in, in that realm even even reserve and guard and nice thing about reserve and guards particularly air force guys particularly they're flying air force transports mm -hmm. You know, where they could wind up uh, working for Brand X Airlines, they get furloughed. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, call Preserve Unit. Hey, it's got furloughed. Cool. I got a two-week trip going over to Asia. You want it? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so supplement your income at that point. Yeah, that's definitely a top tip that, that, you know, for those military listeners that, you know, you don't have to get out 100%. You can yeah. also be like yeah. reserve, yeah. Keep guard. a finger in it. Yeah, keep a finger on that pulse. Yeah. So, you know, you obviously get to, you know, Brand X Airlines flying mad dogs. At a certain point, you become, you know, a uh, chief pilot uh, or was it check pilot? Check, check, check airman. Check, check yeah. airman. Um, at what point were you like, okay, enough of this narrow body mad dog stuff. I want to fly the queen of the skies, essentially. Well, when I, when I got out of the Army, ironically, like I said, I thought I looked pretty good. I thought I yeah. had enough fixed wing hours. You know, a lot of rotary hours at that point, too. Nice varied background, backup with maintenance on that. And so sent, them, sent the resume out all different ways. Mm -hmm. One thing, if you're looking for, let's say, that plan B, you know, mm -hmm. maintenance side, maintenance management, and you were doing something else, okay, and you got a, a great resume, you got to tailor your resume for the positions. Yeah. Particularly if, yes, it's an aviation resume. That's not good enough. So if you're maintenance management, tailor the resume to maintenance management. Yeah. You know, and then tailor a resume to a flying job. You know, brand, you know, one, uh, one resume fits all thing may not work at some places. So spend the time and do that. You know, it's, it's well worth doing. You know, that, that's one important uh, uh, thing to look at. Uh, if, once you decide, go for it. And here I am, the Army guy. Yeah. And I actually got an interview with United. And this is back in the day when they had three separate interviews. Dang. You know, weed people out. You know, it's like a, a three-month process at this point. Off to Denver every time. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. 
and I made the first cut. I'm like, okay, cool. And I was worried because the first cut, it's a personnel type. She's looking over my time. She's got her sheet, you know, what, what I need minimum here kind of thing. She wasn't really staring at logbooks and going through them. She's a personnel type. And she says, oh, I see you've got, okay, out of your turbine time, how much is this as helicopter? And I said, well, all but five, about 550 hours of it. Oh, and I see this scratch, <laughs> you know, 550 kind of thing. I said, well, you know, that turbine time, that was in Chinooks. You know, that's a really large aircraft, yeah. you know, almost as big as a 7-3. Matter of fact, it's made by Boeing, yeah. and some of the parts that are on a 7-3 are on that aircraft. Yeah. Yes. And she just nicely looks up and he goes, well, we don't fly Chinooks at United. Yeah. <laughs> like, time to shut up. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but like I said, got through the cut, made a third cut, and, you know, six weeks later, you know, get the fifth letter saying thanks, you know, reapplying a year. But, you know, that's how it goes kind of thing. Yeah. And you're going to get a lot of rejections. Yeah, yeah. It just it happens. It just depends on again timing, what you have, you know, right time, right place. You know, and, and sort of glad I didn't get in that United class because probably about a year later I've been furloughed anyhow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, you know, it's just the way the nature of the business. I wound up getting on uh, uh, with a, a company and uh, wound up in the back seat of an A three hundred freighter. Oh, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I had my flight engineer at, you know, they gave yeah. me my flight engineer training. I'm like, yeah. okay, I got a foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah, they knew I had the pilot ratings at that yeah. point. And some of their FEs, you know, were professional FEs, came mm -hmm. up the hard route, A&P, you know, Air Force flight engineer, you know, and here they are, and that's as far as they're going. Yeah. You know, and then, okay, we're sliding some of us in there. You know, okay, we'll just move in the right seat once he gets used to the plane. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, wound up doing it that way. And eventually wound up captain on an A300. And uh, it was Tradewinds Airlines, which ironically, fast forward umpteen years, uh, Skylease, where I currently work at, that's the original certificate. Oh, <laughs> really? Winds. Yeah, they bought it and changed the name. But yeah, you look at the original, it's you know, Tradewinds Airlines doing business as DBAs, as they yeah. call it, you know, on the certificate walls. But uh, yeah, it's sort of funny how, you know, it goes around you know, full circle. Yeah. And, you know, I remember making captain there. And I'm flying with a new flight engineer, and uh, he's like, he's like really excited for a flight engineer. Like, you got your pilot? I'm working on them. I want to fly in that seat eventually at your end. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, it was a good thing. Cause, you know, I'd show him stuff. I yeah, got him more in tune how to you know reading a jet chart for the approach versus mm -hmm. a lot of these flight engineers usually took a nap during the approach. Yeah, <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah. Know, <kinda laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, you just just open one eye occasionally to make sure yeah. the engine is running. Make sure we're still <laughs> flying, kind of. Yeah. Thing. But uh, fast forward, you know, literally 20 years, I'm on a 747, yeah. and I'm getting a line check for China. Yeah. And here's the same guy, <laughs> check captain <laughs> on the 747. You know, we had met in ground school, oh, you know, yeah. big hug kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a captain here kind of thing. And then later on, he's my check captain. Yeah. So it's a small world where, you know, you know uh, uh, the circle is complete for him. Yeah. You know, and in a way, it's sort of complete for me because I remember when he was yeah. an F.E., which leads me to another thing is always remember, yeah, somebody's ass you kick today, you might have to kiss in a few years. Yeah. So don't ever, you know, somebody is in a different position, don't blow them off, treat them respectfully, listen to what they have to say, and you'd be surprised what you pick up. And it could be something as uh, a guy that serves you food here. Yeah, yeah, at the alumni reunion kind of thing. Note, note the name. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. you can actually even get a pulse on things. So, 
how's things going with this uh, reunion? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not enough people. We ordered too much food. Yeah, well, who's running this? Well, it looks like, you know, this guy, blah, blah, blah. But you'll pick up things. Mm-hmm. And it's little things that may play into factor later. And I've seen that over the time, you know, where I've had, give you an example, one interview uh, with a company. It was the little redheaded secretary who yeah. took your resume, you yeah. know, for the interview. Yeah. And I was just sitting there waiting. And, and I'm looking, and she's like staring at these resumes, figuring it out. And she hands me some resumes. She goes, Can you sort through? Here's what we're looking for, kind of thing. Okay, kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Started talking with her. Found out her son was you know, going through Apache school. He's in the Army, kind of thing. You know, chit chatting it up with her. Mm-hmm. And she said, Yeah, okay. Hey, when you're done with that, here. Uh, you, you, this is right way I got to go. She says, don't worry about it. You know, it's, 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 it can be uh, some, some, sometimes difficult, but we don't really care if you pass. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just we got to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And a lot of guys were sweating this. <laughs> you know, yeah. okay. I'm finding out, okay, I'll just take it, you know, score what I can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't worry about it. I found out after I got hired there that she was the screening point. She watched everybody there. Mm-hmm. and see how they acted amongst each other, Yeah, what they did. You got handed some stuff you know, to do. It's like, do it, you know, yeah. kind of thing. You never know. But, you know and, and she's seen people, and, yeah, this guy's an idiot. Don't yeah. bother. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Or the guy who did this, you know, written exam here, didn't score so well. He's a good guy. Let me tell you what he did, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And she was the first uh, straining or filtering point for it. And nobody thought she was a secretary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's also important to remember that aviation is a small world, essentially. And you are very likely to come across people more than once. Yes. And that, you know, you have to be nice, professional, you know, to people. And, you uh, you know, being nice to someone and helping them out, you know, can help you pay dividends later in your own career if you ever run into them again. Yes. So, you know, now you're flying 747s for Skylease. Besides the obvious that, you know, your flight boxes around at night, uh, you know, I myself would like to fly freight one day. What would you say, you know, would be a good, you know, way for us to get in? Well, basically, flying passengers, flying freight, I don't want to say it becomes a preference for one or the other. Uh, it's just basically whatever the job is. Mm-hmm. And if you're building time, you know, a freight job opens up, and, yeah, it's an older airplane. It's a Convair 584, let's say IFL in Miami. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, it's turbine time. It's a type rating. <laughs> yeah, that's the most important part. Yeah, you got to keep those type ratings yeah, on there. A type rating, and then how fast can I get to the left seat? Yeah. You know, my first job, literally – it was an FE, and I was very short time in there. And then they were buying a whole bunch more A300s. You know, there was only two when I was there. Yeah. And kind of thing. And, and if I would have gone to the 1011 initially, I'd, you know, I, I don't know if I would have, you know, I probably would have been maybe a, at best a first officer. It was a very senior airplane mm-hmm. and a preferred airplane. It was like the center of their world airplane. Yeah. The A300s were like being thrown and added on. And the chief pilot at the time, he says, Hey, we're putting you, you know, a lot quicker than the uh, the FOC. You're ready. He says, "Be ready." Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. You know, kind of thing. And I did. And he's, "We're getting more of these. Don't put the books down." And what do you mean? And he said, "You're going to be a captain quicker than you think." Yeah. Not even six months later, I get the call. How fast can you come to North Carolina? We got a ground school starting. Oh yeah. By the way, 
I'm wearing too many hats. I'm swamped. You and the other guy, you're going to be teaching some of the ground school. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You know, yeah. kind of thing. And literally, we, you know, we wound up teaching the paper tiger, you know, you yeah. know procedural portions of it. Because we've already been on the airplane. Yeah. You know, there's some new hires coming in kind of thing. And, it, you know, it, it, it helped me reinforce, ironically. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm having to pop up questions, you know, that are coming in and, you know, give, give them correct answers. Yeah. So it got me more into the books. Yeah, so that's that's the main thing. And you'd be surprised. Some places it happens so fast that you're you're like, "Am I ready?" Yes, you better damn well be ready. Yeah, because <laughs> it'll be your only opportunity. Essentially, yeah, it's, it's one of those. And and ironically, the other guy that was with me, you know, and we, we were clearly study buddies. But once we got back into the simulator, I'm like, you know, I'm saying, "Dude, you flown the airplane? What's going on today?" Uh, just just nervous, you know, kind of thing. And he busted his first ride. And uh, he got sent back to the right seat. About a year later, he finally got upgraded again, got the chance, made it through. You know, but uh, you know, I got through it. Kind of one other guy got through it, too. So two out of three wasn't bad at the time, considering how we were training. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, when we're done, we're like, geez, I don't believe we made it through this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's always be in the books, always be ready. Yeah, that's definitely an important reminder that to never be caught slatting, slacking yeah. and always to – maintain everything as proficient and current as possible and it depends on the airline too once you get the 121 it's a different ball game in training it's not like flight safety where they're going to spoon feed you through a type rating you know it's you get to some airlines and here's the books and yeah here's the fa minimum for you know the basic NDOC and the fa minimum you know for systems and whatever and they're shoving you in and they may not have a real live trainer you know uh, 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 cockpit procedure trainer might be literally a paper tiger as it's called where it's just the posters on the wall yeah and you know here's a seat that's typically a desk seat and you're gonna have to learn the procedural flows yeah and you're reading it out of the book and you've never even seen the airplane and like well what does this mean now you're writing all these questions down to go back to the instructor yeah you know kind of thing you know and it it, it all depends on the company and yeah you get some of the major airlines too yeah they'll spoon feed you through to a point yeah. And you get other ones where, you know, the spoon feeding stops right here. Yeah. And this is what we expect you to have. Hopefully you got that knowledge or what's needed before that, because otherwise you're instantly behind the power curve. So you get into an in-dock, you know, here's the stack of books, you know, thrown on you. And, you know, so you're signing these insurance forms, you know, just everything's being thrown at you all at once. First thing, crack open the aircraft operator's manual. Limitation section, chapter one. <laughs> yeah. Start right there. Uh, hopefully, you've already brought them with you. Bring them with you. Don't have to. That way, you don't have to go out. You know, finding a store to buy them. Get yourself a large stack of three by five cards, a few uh, thick rubber bands, and a good marker. Yeah. And start with chapter one and everything that's in that limitation section. You know, engine failure. Write that on one side. The memory items on the next. Yeah. And all the limitations. You know, the cargo door. Uh, uh, opening wind uh, speed maximum, cargo door closing maximum, uh, yeah. wind speed minimum. Yeah. And put these all on three by five cards. They fit in your shirt pocket. You know, you get a cla- you know, moment during a break, start thumbing through them. Yeah. You, know, you got to go take a dump, start thumbing through them. Literally, take every moment you can there. 
And you may not understand what this means. You're memorizing what you need to memorize because that's in the limitation section. You gotta know that, period, yeah. end of subject. And you're well ahead of the game because you're still an in-doc. You'd be surprised how many guys are struggling and trying to learn this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two, three weeks later, when, you know, they had the time. Yeah. yeah you know, like I said, you don't need to understand it. Just memorize this stuff. Yeah. You know, and then you'll learn the, the, the intricacies of what it really means later. Uh, same thing uh, going through systems. You know, read, you know, uh, like they're doing NDOC. You're going to read that stuff, and the NDOC never changes in any airline. It's the same FAA-mandated stuff. So you're on an airline two or three, you're going to see pretty much the same stuff. You're at an advantage at that point because now you can start looking at the aircraft systems manual, different airplane, yeah, you know, kind of thing, and start thumbing through and getting ahead. So when you go to aircraft systems, you've already read chapter one, mm-hmm. you know, and you've highlighted and done everything you needed. So now tonight I'm going to read chapter two. Yeah. So you're always one step ahead of the game. Same when you go into procedures trainer. You better have this stuff down there. It'll probably give you the paper tigers, you know, at home or in the hotel room. Start working your flows. You'll see, you know, now with PIC type ratings for everybody, you got to know right seat and left seat flows. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to be that captain for three years. Doesn't matter. PIC type rating. Know both sets of flows. Yeah. Know both sets of callouts. Yeah. So get that checklist. Start memorizing that in ground school what the what the correct answers are, and then flows and mm-hmm. then paper tiger walk your way through it. Fumble through it. Yeah. So when you show up, you know they're expecting this four hour block of instruction. Yeah, they're hoping that you're pushing back. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, running through all the checks. But if you've already known, okay, I'm throwing this switch here. What am I looking for? And you know the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, minimum 26 to 32 uh, uh, percent. Let's say, yeah. as an example, this guy's looking at. Oh, okay, you studied. Yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And as you're walking through, and you know, have it open to that expanded uh, part in the, in the book. And if there's side notes on that, throw them there. It's your book. Yeah. You know, whatever the instructor told you. What I also do is if there's a limitation associated with that, and I'm looking here and I'm checking for that, I write the limitation there, and I write the page of that limitation. Yeah. Right there on the side margin. So, you know, keep in mind, because that's probably going to be an oral question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, you know, that, that, that's how it is. But be ahead of the game in ground school training. You know, and it makes flowing through. So when, when you get into the procedures trainer your flows are down you certainly your limitations are down mm-hmm. at that point memory items and it goes so much you're not fumbling you're not behind the power curve you get behind the power curve it gets rough because once you get an sim now it's profiles yeah okay and that profile is the same thing it's not going to change you know here's the ILS drop a quarter on the floor and you're the airplane walk yourself around that pattern you know when you're gonna you know call for flaps one set speed Flaps five sets, <laughs> yeah, know, and work your way through. You know, turn base. You know, what am I expecting next? What am I looking for? So you w- literally walk through this thing, and then the profiles become easy, almost to the point of muscle memory. You want everything muscle memory at that point. So you're, you're, like I said, you're absorbing a lot because you're doing a PIC type rating now, not an SIC rating. Right. Yeah, that's definitely important to know that you know you gotta study everything. And, I mean, that's aviation generally. You have to study everything and yeah, keep but, everything. But follow a good flow, like, like I had mentioned on this. 
and it works. Yeah. Yeah, and Eight also type ratings later, here mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and de- and definitely find a flow that works for you as well. Yeah. Not some random flow that and study buddies. Yeah. You'll get some guys in your group. Oh, I study alone. Hopefully he's not the guy you're assigned with. Yeah. <laughs> because you both lose. Yeah. You know, and that's the sad part. Study buddy up, you know, work with the guy. He may be slower than you. Yeah. Get him up to your speed or get up to his speed, yeah. whatever the case may be. And hopefully that study buddy that may become your senpai doesn't drag you down. Yeah. Usually a good instructor will catch that relatively quickly. You know, but then it's, you know, this guy washes out, then you're uh, thrown with this other guy who his, uh, his stick buddy washed out. Now yeah. you two don't know each other. Yeah. But during ground school, yeah, they see the three by five cars. You'll see a couple of guys are the same. And they're, hey, what's, what are you doing over there? Oh, we're practicing this. You know, all of a sudden, you, here's a group at lunch. You're your sandwich kind of thing. Yeah. You know, okay, max altitude limitation. You point to the guy. He just took a bite of a, yeah, for, 42,100 feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're like, fuck, I don't know that. Yeah. And I said, dude, cards, make them. Yeah. You know, and catch them up. Because this may be the guy you may wind up being a sim partner with yeah. later. And he took your advice. Yeah. And definitely also just, you know, keep studying. Yeah. It's a group effort. Yeah. You know, while you're in a typewriting course with an airline, it's, you know, it's, it's never singular because you're at a crew concept for flying anyhow. Yeah. So here's your class of eight. Know your class of eight and yeah. be a crew of a class of eight at that point. Our goal is to all get through this first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One and only time and yeah. make it to the flight line, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, you know, also just, you know, make sure that you're not essentially an asshole, you know, yeah. and so you work it together as a crew properly. Yeah. You're no longer single pilot. Yeah. So the single pilot, I only study alone, learn to study with somebody. Yeah. You're going to have to once you hit part 121. It yeah. ain't going to work. Yeah, I mean, generally, airline operations generally. Yeah. Yeah, you know, 121, 125, 135, yeah. the entire lot. So... Um, yeah, that's definitely an important reminder to make sure to keep studying and keeping your certificates current. Keep your certificates and earn what you can. We're talking about that. Or I almost forgot. Uh, you've got ground instructor ratings. You got the basic, mm-hmm. uh, advanced, and the instrument ground instructor uh, BGI, AGI, IGI. Yeah. For the guys getting the CFIs, or for, for really anybody, let me give you a hint there. Remember, I told you about dispatcher. And yeah, uh, yeah. ATP writ, yeah. same writ. Yeah. Guess what? Private pilot exam. BGI is the same exact exam. AGI, same exact exam as commercial. IGA, same exact exam as the instrument. So, again, practice exams. Yeah. So, do the BGI. Take that as your practice test. Obviously, same scenario. If you get a 70 or a 68 or a you know, 75, yeah, let me go crack the books. Yeah. You know, if you fail, you know, clearly below a 70, you fail it. You know, okay, well, you're failing a BGI, not your private pilot. Yeah. You're right. So same thing. Study the thousand question book, spend the 20 bucks current year, buy the book. You know, even if you've been through Ember Riddle's ground school, you know, and they sign you off the writ, buy the damn book. Yeah. You know, 1995, you know, and study all thousand questions. So nothing will ever surprise you on that exam. You've been through it. Go through the book three, four times. You'll, and you'll remember this stuff. You'd be surprised just by repetition, muscle memory. So you did that BGI. Hey, got a 92. 
excuse me, man, go ahead and give me the private pilot test. Okay, bam, bam, knock it out, two birds, one stone, couple 92s, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Put that BGI writ in a folder. And then, boom, commercial, same thing. AGI, practice test. Yep, good, give me the commercial. Put the AGI writ, you know, away. Put that in the folder. Instrument, IGI, same thing, same scenario. Yeah, I got three written exams sitting here. They're good for two, uh, 24 calendar months. So you, you're okay in that respect. Now, go out. If, if you're not going to get a CFI, go buy the FAA book, Fundamentals of Instruction. Memorize about the first 40 pages. Go take the FOI writ. Yeah. Now with that fourth piece of paper, staple them all together to an FAA uh, application form. Check ground instructor. Yeah. Walk that over to your FISDO. You've just earned three ratings. Yeah. And again... There's no currency requirements on them. They're always good. Three more ratings than your peers have because you bothered to do that. Yeah. And was it any strange and wild effort? No. Nope. You took three additional tests. You're allowed four hours to take a test you know, on an FAA. You know, so, you know, like I said, if you did well and you took two exams, okay, two birds, one stone concept. If you're doing your CFI, yeah, got to take the FOI anyhow. It's yeah. two writs for that for that rating. So, you still get those uh, three ground instructor ratings. Now, as a CFI, you can you know train people, mm-hmm. and you as a CFI can also assign somebody off to take the written exam. Yeah. Don't sign them off on your CFI. Sign them off on your basic ground instructor or advanced or instrument instructor. Use that rating. Because, remember with the CFI, you have to maintain a minimum pass rate of 70% of your students. Otherwise, the FAA may come visit you and say, you know, we don't like the way you're instructing because you've got a lot of failure rates here. Yeah. We're going to give you another check ride again. We're going to yeah. see if you can keep your CFI. Yeah. Ooh, bad. And you come to find out you signed off seven of your buddies. You know, two of them over a bar over a drunken thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it'll be okay, fine. Yeah, I failed it. <laughs> Yeah. The next day, you didn't know it. You're all hung over. The next day, he went and took the exam. You know, half his brain was shot, you know, through, uh, you know, uh, alcohol poisoning the night before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. But, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. You got to be careful with it. This is your ticket. You earned it. Yeah. So, you sign them off in the ground instructor rings. No harm, no foul there. And you're still maintaining your 70% or better, particularly if you're looking to get a gold seal instructor. Yeah. That's definitely a top tip also to make sure you do it with the to keep the, essentially the ground stuff and the flying stuff yeah, separate. Separately, you know, and that's, that, that's the main thing. As CFIs too, you're responsible for your student's logbook. Yeah, it's his, but it better damn well be correct. Yeah. There's nothing more embarrassing, not only for your students. But for yourself. Yeah, but also for yourself. As you walk in, he's with an examiner, and he looks over, and your logbook's not right, it's messy, or worse. You don't have the minimum time for that rating. Yeah. You're point three off somewhere. Yeah, that that, that was me. Uh, <laughs> we were talking o- earlier in the office um, for my private pilot check ride. Uh, like the day before my check ride, I found out I was point three solo time short. Yeah. So I had to do one quick traffic pattern at RDU International. Yeah. Um, I highly considered when we were uh, going through this with uh, this, my primary CFI that what we could do is just the intent to fly part of it is that i could just literally just advance the throttle like pop off like five feet off the runway close the throttle land and just taxi back to the fbo yeah one way to do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> save, save time 
But you know, it, luckily, like I said, it has a jump through your ass moment. You caught at least a day before. Yeah. Yeah, you know, catching a day of, of is just you know stress stress <laughs> that you don't need or worse it's yeah. caught there with the examiner and as he says sorry but your log book does not meet FAA standards for this check ride and I need to know who your instructor is you got his phone number we got to talk yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not a conversation he wants to have <laughs> yeah so they're right there now this guy's future students already got a mark against him i mean i ask guys bad with love me check his logbook and he's yeah. gonna check it probably even more thoroughly yeah next thing is he may say sorry but i can't give you the right idea. my fee is two hundred dollars he's still going to charge you the fee mm-hmm. <laughs> you're out money yeah i mean that's two hundred dollars you could have spent elsewhere he didn't even answer oral question at that yeah. point let yeah. alone flight yeah but uh yeah that's definitely uh something to keep in mind as well to you know make sure all your record keeping is you know, hundred percent. You know, you know, clean and uh, signed off correctly. Yeah, and stuff. Set, well, sign offs. Yeah. You know, make your sheet up. It's nothing. It's not a memory item. Have a separate sheet for all the ratings you're authorized per your CFI certificate. Mm-hmm. The exact wording, exact reg, everything. And it's your gout sheet, and you just copy it to that guy's logbook. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Nothing off the top of your head. You'll miss something. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I like to also have a kind of like a rapid fire section. These are just things like questions that come to your mind. Like the first answer that comes to your mind, you know, that's usually it. Uh, So are you ready for that? Sure. Uh, So let's say you're in an airport and you have to get a connecting flight home. Uh, What's like one your go to place to get food? Mm -hmm. Oh, trying to get food? Yeah. Usually if. If I'm commuting, mm-hmm. you know, and I got a one gate to the other, yeah. you know, what's along the way? Yeah. And then again, it's I need to get to, to the gate clearly to get on the airplane. Yeah. So if I got to bypass food to do so, so be it. Yeah. But always in your flight bag, throw a can of tuna in there. Yeah, you can't go wrong with yeah. that. <laughs> you know, or sardines or whatever, whatever it might stick up the cabin a bit. But have something in there that, you know, for that kind of a thing. Yeah. Where, you know, I ain't going to make this plan. I got to hustle. I got to run to get there. I'll eat this on the airplane. You always, you know, it's in your back. Yeah. Kind of. You'll get layovers like that, too. You know, the intent was to get in by eight. You're not there till two thirty in the morning. And the only thing at the hotel is a snack machine. Yeah. Still got that can of tuna. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite aircraft that they've flown? Oh, let's see. Helicopter side, the Chinook, of course. And then on the airplane side, ironically, the L-1011. Really? And particularly the 500 model. Why do you say that? Uh, L-1011 was a unique aircraft in itself. Lockheed, the last plane they built. And Lockheed over-engineered to death everything. And it usually had triple backups on everything, whether it was required or not. It usually became an electrical nightmare in the process. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the 500, they clearly worked the bugs out at that point. Yeah, big airplane. And the 500 model was the long-range version. So it's a shorter fuselage, but they kept the fuel. And that lower galley yeah. Yeah, actually had an elevator and <laughs> delivered food up to the main deck. Uh, became an, an, an extra fuel tank. And this plane, they had to slow it down because of uh, a new thing called RVSM at that point. But the, uh, the uh, L-11 was, uh, was actually designed to cruise at about 0.85, 0.86. Had to slow it down to 8.4. Now it's like slow flight mode, yeah. burning more fuel. But uh, the uh, 500 model, they had to put about seven more feet of wing on this thing because they tried to go supersonic. Really? Yeah, so a typical cruise speed in that plane was still 8.6, 8.7. So it was the fastest plane I flew. 
Yeah, but it was just an absolute luxury. And the original 1011s, or the 1011s, all of them, uh, the original uh, automated flight deck uh, system they had on it was on the original space shuttles. Oh, okay. Giving an idea of how advanced and good the system was. Well, the first planes you can do category 2A, 2B, th- category 3s. You know, yeah. Literally right out of the, uh, the factory. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, an amazing airplane, what it did. And I knew guys that went to the 7-4 Classic and, and missed the 1011. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. You know, Boeing, yeah, 1011 is better. And then I saw guys that went to the 400. 1011 is better. <laughs> 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 and now I'm on this 400. I'm like, yep, 1011 was better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that does give you a perspective. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite airport? Uh, uh, as far as challenge or just niceties? Um, we can have both niceties and challenges. All right, challenges. I did the old Hong Kong uh, Kai Tech, you know, which was uh, an airport well past its prime. Yeah. You know, kind of thing in the middle of Hong Kong Harbor. Yeah. You know, where they had to call the checkerboard approach. Yeah. And it was sort of instrument to sort of visual to like, you know, dive, 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 yeah. literally. And you literally, when you started to go visual, and it's, you know, uh, start the turn for the base. You look at this, you know, hill they had there. It was painted red, white checkerboard. Mm. So you aimed for that. Comforting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then once you crossed an NDB, then it was literally start the turn, you know, to, a, to a, you know, to your approach course. Yeah. And start the dive going downhill this mountain. Yeah. And if you just happen to glance, looking out left or right, you're seeing some old lady hanging her laundry up in the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and about that time, you look, come back in here, get ready to yank for this flare. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to prank it in. And it was a short runway when you got graded water on the other end if you ran off of it. Yeah. And it was the most challenging approach ever for any pilot, but it was always, you had the smile when you got done, man. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of, and the airport's no longer there. It's now, I think... Uh, it's the runways they use it for, uh, you know, basically flea market weekends, yeah. kind of thing. So that's the challenging side of the house. That's sort of San Diego's challenging, LaGuardia, of course, is challenging, particularly in the winter. Anything in New York airspace in the winter sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of like what uh, yeah. factored into that Avianca crash yeah. in '92. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Avianca 707 ran out of fuel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was also it was just a whole catalog of failure on that one. Uh, yeah, you'll get challenging airports like that. You'll learn the system how to do it, mm-hmm. and you'll learn if you're flying with somebody what their weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. And I've had guys like going into Newark where English wasn't their first language. Yeah, and I'm like, I'll tell you what, you fly this, but it's you're like, oh god, his flying skills aren't particularly good. Yeah. Okay, I'm on radar. I'm monitoring the hell out of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm winding up twisting and turning mm-hmm. dials, and I'm mm-hmm. like just. Get down, get down. Ten thousand yards, do right. Two point two miles, man. You gotta lose it. Come on, lose it. Speed break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever it took, you know. And then okay, and he's like, he died. what? Yeah. Next one's you know, we got six point eight miles. We gotta get down seven thousand. Say, do come on. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And I'm, you know, I'm having to listen to Newark air tra- airport traffic, you know. And it's, you know, skills you'll get as a captain, mm-hmm. and particularly if you're as a check captain, where you're giving these guys new to the airplane mm-hmm. the training. Yeah, that, that, that must be quite a challenge uh, on its own. Well, uh, a Czech Airman's letter, you wind up wearing two hats. Yeah. You work for that company, 
But now the feds have blessed you. Yeah. You know, omni, omni, VOR, you know, yeah. touch you the little ash on yeah. your forehead. Here's your FAA letter. Yeah. And what it in reality means, yeah, you're going to get a better paycheck. Yeah. But at the same time, you represent the feds. So yeah. the FAA inspector doesn't have to be there doing this ride. We trust you to give the ride. Yeah. You know, at that point. And then sometimes there's a little enough trust. You're checking out a captain. Well, yeah, we'll trust you for all the line training, but I'm still going to watch this guy from the jump seat once. And I hope we agree that you said he passed, and I don't think he did. That's, ooh, yeah. you know, that's a bad uh, tone at that point. But generally, rarely does that happen. Yeah. You know, you're, uh, 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 a check every worth of salt will, will know when this guy didn't do well on that day. Yeah. yeah and, and, and all of a sudden, there's an agreement with the FAA guy. Yeah, he, it's. Just give him some more Iowa. Let's yeah. see how he looks, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, that, that's a good deal. You can also even get a waiver on that where the, the Fed's so busy, they even trust you to go ahead and do that. Here's your second piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of thing. So you do it all at that point. Yeah. Uh, but what's your favorite airport to fly in as, like, nicety? Uh, niceties, uh, Frankfurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's a well-designed airport, clearly not – like some of the airports in the U.S. where we're, we're adding stuff 20 and 30 years too late. It should have been in the original design. Yeah. In Frankfurt, what they did, I'll give you an example. Uh, you live in Frankfurt, and you got to fly to Munich, you know, for a business meeting, and then, you know, come back. And then, you know, your wife calls, hey, honey, pick up a loaf of bread for me, too. Yeah. Okay, well, you do your trip, you come back. And ironically, there's a grocery store. <laughs> Yeah, two levels down from, from arrivals. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's where I uh, I usually go to Frankfurt, and I was once on a trip from Frankfurt. Um, I, I was there for, to do a driving course in uh, the Nürburgring, and I was hungry. And I was looking everywhere for food because I had to go jump on the railroad, Deutsche Bahn, to go to the Nürburgring area. Yep. And that's what one thing I like too. There's a, there's a like with Schiphol as well, there's a train station. And yeah. it's all tied in. Yeah. U-bond is one level. S-bond's another yeah. level. So you get anywhere yeah. in the country, let yeah. alone in the city. Yeah. And then you could do your grocery shopping along, you know, while you're there yeah. <laughs> before you get on the, the yeah. S-bond to go yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can just pick up a loaf of bread at the airport and, yeah. you know, Everything home. you need right there. You know, yeah. fresh vegetables, uh, you know, plenty of good restaurants, nice museum there, yeah. great observation deck yeah. if you want to go watch airplanes take off and land. Yeah. And ironically, there's a disco. Yeah. <laughs> People on a weekend, hey, let's go to the airport. Are you picking somebody? No, we're going to go dance. Say huh? again after over, over? Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to help me think you can go to the airport for that, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but unfortunately, the day I went to Frankfurt, um, it was like negative three Celsius. So it was a bit too cold to stand outside oh, on, yeah. The, yeah. on a deck, you know. It was cold enough in the train station, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's, you know, that, that's a well-built airport where it, it connects with everything. And, you know, JFK eventually, Miami eventually, uh, now they finally put a light rail line that connects to the airport after... God knows how long. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, 50 years. You know, it should have been done then. Yeah. Uh, but what's your favorite approach to fly into? Uh, let's see. Like I said, you know, Hong Kong Kai Tech checkerboard was yeah. it. And then uh, typically... Doing any good ILS where you're right at minimum and you get that breakout literally right at minimum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you've accomplished, you've done everything, 
Yeah, and okay, today we didn't have to do a go around. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. But it's one of those things where, almost like the simulator, where they, you know they purposely set it there, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And all of a sudden, poof, it happens. And I've had flying into Miami where there's just deluge rain shower, not a thunderstorm, but you know there's still traffic still going, the same flow kind of thing. And I mean, even with the wipers on, I don't see anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and literally poof. Yeah. sunshine and it's you know right there minimum's land thank god and you know a control tower guy goes how was that and I said, it's pretty cool a heavy rain kind of thing but you know stable rain yeah and he goes i got one of the best pictures i'll send you here call me yeah <laughs> you know kind of, and it's literally me coming out yeah. you know like the tail's still in the rain yeah. shower yeah. <laughs> the nose is in sunshine yeah, yeah. uh but do you like um there are some airports that I know that I'll enjoy, but the deal like Seattle, for example, mm -hmm. did you enjoy like flying into airports like that? Yeah, again, it, it you know it depends on traffic flows, you know, and how it looks. Los Angeles the mm -hmm. same way, you know, and, and and the thing about it is too, you got to expect they may change runways on you. Yeah. And the nice thing about an FMS, you got Route One, Route Two, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. So you get to some airports, plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two four left becomes two four right. Yeah. Yeah, so throw it in the other uh, 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 route, you know, yeah. two, four, so you're not going through the panic yeah. of changing over, you know, and rushing trying to get this done, especially if the, you know, the guy's new and he hits the wrong button and screws it up. Yeah, <laughs> that know? happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's common. You know, yeah, everybody's good with a, you know an index finger programming an FMS. Yeah, but then it comes to a skill of literally flying the airplane at that point. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen guys where, you know, they punch it in, you know, okay, uh, execute, and you looked up, no, no, it's two five right, two four right, yeah. kind of thing. But it's clear blue 22. Yeah. I just line up with the runway at that point. Yeah. You know, now it's, you know, it's just flying, no panic. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need the FMS. Yeah. But if it's, you know, hard IFR, you know, well, that's... Well, you get some people that over-rely on it. You yeah. know, it's called flying the Magenta Line. Well, yeah. don't live on it. Yeah. You know, you get killed by it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you still yeah. got to fly the airplane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was the one American Airlines 965 that kind of had that. Oh, uh, it was down in Cali. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah where they were kind of following the Magenta line too much, yeah. and they got lost, and they yeah, typed in, typed in the wrong identifier. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. for some reason, he put in R, and the for, it should have been Roso, yeah. but it went, you know, Romeo yeah, or something. And follow the Magenta line right to their death. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of luckily grew up to not, in my private pilot's license, not to follow the magenta line over relying on it. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, it depends. You may have a first officer that's been in and out of Kali a dozen times. Mm -hmm. And you were uh, just upgraded a captain, but you were on, in a different base never been here. Yeah. Well, guess who has the base knowledge? Yeah. It's the FO. FO. Yeah. And, you know, he may know that airport well. He might turn out he's a Columbia. He did all his flight training there, yeah. too, Yeah. kind of thing. Well, guess what? It's probably not a bad idea to let him do the approach and you watch that one yeah. time, even though it's a captain's approach. Yeah. You know, kind of, you know, captain's approach, yeah, on paper, yeah, I'm doing the approach. Yeah. But you're going to certainly listen to this guy. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I would say he becomes the captain, but it's called an unofficial leader in yeah. CRM training where – you know, you'll get somebody that, that's been there, done that, and you haven't. Yeah. You're going to li better listen well. Not look down and say, well, I have, you know, 
The, the four fingers yeah. on the four stripes, you know, shut up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, problem is, is, you know, then again, too, the guy with the three stripes, you know, pointing is uh, you can silence a guy and he'll literally, he'll be, he'll be right, but he'll be dead right, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a point in time you got to know when. Yeah. And I also feel like, you know, people need to, like, also, like, learn from each other as well. Yes. And there, I've flown with some pilots out there that are, like, you know, super arrogant. And, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to name names just for their sake, but yeah. it'll just take one time, you know, and hopefully the one time it's a lesson learned. Yeah. You know, and no help. harm, no foul, yeah. no, no call the FAA upon landing or, you know, whatever or worse. Yeah. yeah or, or he ends up in a body bag, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, that would be the worst result, obviously. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they generally get weeded out quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But that person, unfortunately, is still flying the airways, so. Yeah, don't worry. They'll yeah, get, I mean, I mean I'm not worried caught. about it. I mean, they'll do. Eventually, they'll meet their end. Yeah, they'll get caught. Yeah, and hopefully, it's a self catch, where, you know, maybe I ought to change my ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're gonna learn eventually. Yeah, but uh, do you have any other, you know, top tips for someone that's uh, that's coming in into the industry and says, you know, it's cyclical. Remember that, you know, and you know, one day's good, one day's bad. You know, one year's good, one year's bad. So, you know, I've known guys that have been furloughed for seven and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? So what do you do during that seven and a half years? Yeah, you're going to try and look for other flying jobs. But, you know, it may be bad enough where there ain't no other flying jobs. Yeah. And I've ironically found the, the ones that actually fared well are the ones, I, I hate to say this, you know, they didn't have the Embry-Riddle engineering degree and they got all the ratings here. Mm-hmm. And ironically, or having an A&P and a dispatch rating, but the airline you know, industry is dead on its ass. There ain't no jobs even turning wrenches, Yeah, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, what do I do now? Yeah. Well, learn a side gig, learn a side trade, get certified in it. Mm-hmm. The guys that I've seen that had a law degree and they get furloughed, eh, okay, still have my shingle. And they apply for law jobs, you know, and they wound up doing that. And some of them don't come back to the industry. Yeah. You know, one guy knew that did that. He went to West Virginia, and it was it was actually in the state uh, uh, prosecutor's office. Yeah. He's now the attorney general of uh, the uh, state of West Virginia. Yeah. Gave up flying. Yeah. You know, found his niche. I'm going to stay in this way. I'm tired of being furloughed. Yeah. You know, that happens, too. And it's, you know, you're seeing it a little bit more prevalent sometimes, you know, on furloughs. You know, where guys say, that's it, I'm done with this. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of guys you know had full four-year RNs. Well, mm-hmm. good times, bad times. Four-year four RNs are always needed anywhere in the world, yeah. especially in the United States. Found jobs literally immediately. Yeah, you know, and we went and did that. Okay, got burned out enough. Okay, here's the flying job back. Okay, yeah. come back here. Uh, one guy, my my best example, he's a pharmacist, mm-hmm. and he got into flying <laughs> surely by asking. Yeah. He went in the Air Force as a pharmacist, passing out pills. Yeah. You know, as time came up, you know, he had to come to the uh, you know, managerial recruiting and retention officer. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know, I've got to sit there and just tolerate this guy, listen to his spiel mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, yeah, I'm going to go out and do my own thing. And he just, on a whim, he says, so what can I do to keep you in the Air Force? And just on a whim, he said, send me to flight school. Figure this guy's going to throw me out in one, two, yeah. three. Didn't happen. And the guy's taking notes. He goes, how's your vision? Oh, I'm 20-20, but I'm taking notes. Okay, very, very good. 
Thank you for coming in. You know, gives him the coffee mug. Like, that's going to make you sign up again. (laughs) (laughs) Go Air Force. But uh, fast forward six weeks, he winds up getting an appointment for a flight physical. Yeah. And boom, he gets accepted to flight school. He says, you know, four four years already in the Air Force. Went to flight school. Got uh, C-141s, you know, transports. Finishes commitments. And he said, yeah, I think the airline industry looks good. I'm going to get out. But he stayed in the uh, Delaware Air National Guard, and they t- trained him to the C-5A, which was uh, the aircraft at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, so he had his, his, his side gig, yeah. <laughs> Air Guard. He wound up getting on with Tower Airways, mm-hmm. Class 1, <laughs> yeah. you know, 747 operator, you know, bad passenger charter. They're, 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 they're long gone now. Yeah. But they were in business about 12, 15 years. And uh, quickly made 747 captain. And, you know, wrote him out till they literally shut the doors on him. And any time there was ever a furlough, he always kept his pharmacy license current and literally within days found a job. Literally within days. Yeah. Tower shut down. Three days later, he had a job. Yeah. Right in his hometown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right outside of Dover, passing out pills. Yeah. And he said, you know, I'm still not ready to do this full time. Hired on with Spirit Airlines. Age 58, when we had an age 60 retirement. Yeah. And they took him. Yeah. yeah, a lot of great time. Yeah, we can use this guy. You'll mm-hmm. never make captain here. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I want Philadelphia base. Well, uh, you sure about that? Nobody wants to go there. Well, I do. I live in uh, Dover. Yeah, <laughs> I can drive there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Went through training. Nine eleven happens. Ninety day furlough. Right back to his old job. Yeah. <laughs> Ninety days later, right back to Spirit. When he retired, went back. You know, three days later, found a job. So, you know, uh, what I'm saying is, yeah, if, if you're already, you know, coming up on graduation this April, eh, too late, so yeah. bad, you know, but that's the way it is. But look for something on the side. Realty license. A lot mm-hmm. of guys are realtors, mm-hmm. you know, for side jobs. Uh, get your boat captain's license, you know, if you live near waterways. Uh, you can get a CDL yeah. <laughs> just for giggles. But there's plenty of other things you can do on the side. That second interest you always had. Why not pursue it? Yeah. And then have that as your plan B, you know, even a plan C if you need to. Yeah. So that way you never go broke. And then when you're a young first officer, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm with the envoy. Mm-hmm. I'm flying the Barbie jet. Oh, yeah. baby. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. But you got to look at your salary. Mm-hmm. Now is not a good time to buy that boat for 5000 bucks yeah. from your buddy because it's cheap. Yeah. Yeah, it's 5000 bucks for the boat. But a boat's a money hole. Yeah. And it's going to cost you 5000 to fix this, that, and the yeah. other. And now you got to fly more overtime yeah. to keep up with a boat that you probably shouldn't have bought on your on your lower salary. Yeah. And now's not time also to pick up a Corvette. Now, in other words, money management. Yeah. you got to live within your means. Yeah. And if you got to make overtime for all your fun toys or for a house payment, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the wrong already. Mm-hmm. Live within your means. Yeah. You know, that way you're not in serious trouble during a furlough. Or you make captain, and all of a sudden, here's this furlough, and you're cool. But now you're going back to the right seat, pay cut. Yeah, just because you put a fourth stripe on, now I can buy that boat? No, nah, maybe not yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's goals when you get on with, a, with, a, with an airline. First one is, A, get hired. Mm-hmm. B, yeah. finish training. Yeah. <laughs> And then C, finish IOE. Okay, bam, bam, bam. Hopefully, uh, generally that works the same way. But then you're looking at that point, 
your, your new cutoffs. Mm-hmm. Your new cutoffs are when can I hold a regular line versus a reserve line mm-hmm. so I can have a life, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Next thing is when will I have 10% of the pop pilot population of this airline under me in seniority? Yeah. That's a nice number. And that's, that's a day to go out and have dinner. Yeah. Because a furlough, that's generally where it's going to hit. Yeah. And if you're in that, okay, at least you're, you're fairly well protected, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And then naturally, next progression, hold lines I want. Yeah. And then some guys, they want captain as fast as possible. Other guys quality of life okay yeah. this base that i'm in you know matter of fact even holding a base let alone vacation bets a lot of people don't realize you don't take vacation you bet on it mm-hmm. more seniority more choices just like your monthly lines and then even bases okay you get hired on with this airline and it's the bases in wilmington delaware like oh crap i live in florida yeah <laughs> i gotta commute this thing which adds to your commute time yeah i want to hold miami base yeah okay well that's going to take you about four years that becomes your new cutoff you know another goal per yeah. se and now i don't don't have to commute or yeah. commute very little kind of thing yeah so uh, yeah that's things you want to look for but uh and then quality of life i know guys that were at american 26 years and they're yeah. on triple seven and they're an fo I'm like, dude, what's up with that? And he goes, oh, you know, I could have had 7'3 captain and, and been a line holder, you know, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, so what do you want to do? I want to be able to hold 7'6 line captain in my base where I have a good line. Mm-hmm. And, and in his case, I want to hold triple seven. I don't want to do another type rating. You know, kind of thing. I want to be able to hold in my base triple seven captain. He, it, the next year, it took him 27 years. But he did that. Yeah. You know, instead of throwing air, now he's a captain. And he's still got plenty of time to retire. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So you, you have to find out what you want in life at that point. And if you happen to be, a, you know, that side gig, you're a realtor and it's a hot market, you know, sometimes remaining an FO is a smart thing to do because you're selling a lot of houses. Yeah. You know, market takes a dive. Now's the time to upgrade if, if they haven't furloughed. Yeah. yeah. Plan your life. It's not, again, it doesn't have to be all about aviation, but you have to find that balance. You know, juggling the glass balls, juggling the rubber balls, and, you know, maybe there's one you're juggling and it's the gas-powered uh, a tree trimmer. Yeah. You know, you don't, you know, you can drop a rubber ball. You don't want to drop a glass ball, you know, on, on, on the on concrete. Yeah, that'll break. Ugh, yeah. Ouch. And you certainly don't want to cut one of your hands off with that gas power one. Yeah. You know, one is lefty at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn how to balance your life and your career. And that's, that's an important thing, you know, on there. And that's what causes divorces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what causes bankruptcies. Yeah. You know you make a lot of money, so you thought. Yeah. You know, because you bought too much house. You got the boat you didn't need. You got the Corvette for you and your wife matching colors with the you know, personalized plates that you certainly didn't need. Yeah. And then you're going to give half of it to, to, to your spouse anyhow. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't want to be in this marriage anymore because, you know, whatever things you may have screwed up along the way or not. Yeah. You know, but it happens. I've seen cabs with five wives and I made more than them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it's just how you manage your life. You manage your life just as well as you do your career. Yeah, well, uh, definitely important lessons to take away from that. And always to have a backup of the backup of the backup, essentially. And, and when you hit 65, 
you know, Part 121, you're done at 60. Federally mandated. Whether they're going to, you know, up at the 67 or 70 like some other ITL countries, don't hold your breath on that if you're a, an older uh, listener. But, uh, you know, there's the corporate world after that as long as you pass a medical. Yeah. You know, and that's just the way it is. You always come back to Embriddle and teach, too. Yeah. I mean, that works, too. I mean, you only <laughs> yeah. need a class three, you know. So. Yeah. And honestly, that's the big shocker that I found out that instructors only need class three medicals. Yeah. Yeah. They've changed the med uh, certifications around. Now, ironically, uh, they did that where, you know, if you're diabetic mm-hmm. and you shot the needle, that's it. Done. See you. Bye. Yeah. Now you can't. It's you're being under special issuance, of yeah. course. But you know, but it's they're 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 getting a little bit uh, smarter on things. But you never want to be in a special issuance uh, scenario. I've seen some of them, some of the guys I've worked with, and it some of them are like spooky. Yeah. You know, kind of things that you know. One was actually actually completely preventable. Yeah. You know, kind of thing where yeah, he sat and twiddled thumbs, and it's still not right. Yeah, he's still having to deal with uh, special issuance. And it's ironically because he retired from just 20 in the Coast Guard. And then he's processing out you know, VA side. And they go through the form. So were you ever in a combat zone? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, here and then, blah, blah, blah. you got 3% disability. Oh, that's nice. You know, and bam, bam, bam. Okay. How many back injuries did you have? Oh, okay. Well, you qualify for 10%. And all of a sudden, this thing's racking up to like a 90% disability. Yeah. Your retirement. But yeah. you're not really disabled. You're fine. Yeah. Well, the FAH also changed those rules. Yeah. So one of those check marks now is, uh, do you earn any disability from, uh, from uh, the Armed Forces retirement? And you have to answer yes. And then percentage, no, 90%. Uh, dude, we're going to reevaluate you. I don't think you can fly an airplane for Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And some Delta and Southwest Airlines guys found out the hard way and they lost their jobs. Dang. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, one, one case I'm working on, the same issue. Yeah, he took the, you know, the, there's just things, like I'll give you an example, Haiti earthquake. Yeah. And he's, you know, flying from Coast Guard, Miami, to Puerto Rico, where they're going to base out of the service, you know, the yeah. Haiti earthquakes. So that plane passed through Haiti. He was on the ground an hour and a half, in the back, mm-hmm. twiddling thumbs. He got 2% disability for that. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. and you took it? You, you, don't you feel guilty or anything? Ah, he said, I can take it. I took it. And I said, yeah, but it sort of got you where you are now. You know, let's reevaluate this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be careful with that stuff, you know, on, on your medical. Yeah, definitely important reminders to, like, you know, not always reveal 100% of everything. Well, you know, some things. <laughs> yeah, so some things are better left yeah, unsaid. You got to be smart on this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know there's this one guy that I heard about that. Um, I think he sniffed glue or something when he was in fifth grade once. Yeah. And and he, he mentioned it offhandedly to his uh, oh, to his uh, a, uh, to his examiner. Mind you, this was like you know probably like twenty or thirty years after the fact, and he still like you know got de- disqualified. It's honor. It's honor. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's if you're Catholic, you're not at a confessional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are some things you just got to learn. You know, okay, that was a stupid thing I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't even wind up in the hospital. Why am I even saying it? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just sort of mending stupidity of this yeah. medical examiner. Yeah, yeah. You know, come on, you know, you just got to think about this. Yeah, you know, if it asks you, have you had any um, uh, hospital visits in the last three years? Well, if you had one four years ago, no, you don't have to put it on the form yeah. because yeah. it said right there, three years within three years. So don't, uh, you know. Volunteer more than you have to. Yeah. Same thing in an FA oral. Yeah. Answer the question. It's like a court of law. Yeah. Answer the question and only the question. Yeah. Yeah. Same at the TSA line. Yes. 
you know, in the in the CVP line, you know, don't answer yeah. what in you want. In an FA oral. Yeah, same thing. Like I said, he asks you this limitation. Yeah. You answer that limitation. There may be another one associated. Don't volunteer until they ask you. Yeah. Because you may screw that one up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, and then they'll be like, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So it's, you know, that there's, you know, like I said, pretend it's a court of law. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, hopefully that lawyer's briefed you. Here's what you only answer, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And that's the same way on any, uh, any government document form. You know, answer only that. Yeah. You know, be safe on that. Yeah, I've, I've seen examples like that. Like, FA's big on CPAP now. Do you yeah. snore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And if you happen to answer yes, you know, kind of thing, because maybe your girlfriend or boyfriend, you'll complain. Yeah, you snore once in a while. Yeah. Well, once in a while is what? Once a week, once a month. And you said yes to this guy. Now you're in a CPAP study. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, now it's, it's a medical jeopardy thing. Yeah. You know, and you know, I've seen one guy do that where he didn't wear the monitor because yeah. he had bothered his neck or whatever. And he kept on tearing the monitor off at night. And as 90 days, you know, went by and he didn't have enough data. He had to do it another 90 days. So Jeez. he's six months without flying because he said he snored, <laughs> you know, for Christ. And it turns out he did, it wasn't like a really, they want him clearing him. Yeah. As it, as it turns out. Yeah. But it was fun. My, my, my FA examiner, I, I saw the question coming. So do you have any problems sleeping at night? And was, I'm, at this point, I'm just screwing with him because I've known him so many years. And I said, yeah, I do. And he's, <laughs> like, what? And he's on a little rolling chair. The rolling chair comes closer. The clipboard comes up. He's starting to take notes. So is it a lot of problems? I said, yeah, it seems like it. Chair comes closer. He's writing more notes. So, so is it snoring? And I said, well, I don't know. I just wake up and my ribs hurt like hell. What? You write kind of And then he's, well, what's it from? Well, my old lady, you know, she, she says I fart so much at night, she jams me in the ribs, and this chair goes sliding back about TMI, TMI. Paperwork gets balled up, thrown away. I'm out the office right there. Here's your medical. Get out of here. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. <laughs> So you can learn to have fun sometimes with your examiners. You know, yeah. Like I said, you just yeah. be careful with that stuff, too. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the examiner that I had uh, for a few years, unfortunately, retired during Corona. So uh, so I had to look for another one, unfortunately. Shop around. Yeah. yeah. It's one thing about examiners. You'll get the word on who's good, who's mm -hmm. bad. You know, yeah. Kind of thing. And, you know, the ones that you, you they literally you walk in the door. Yeah. Okay. Well. I don't, I don't need to do a whole lot of things. You drove here. You didn't run any stop signs. You didn't crash. You walked into the door. You're healthy enough. 150 bucks, please. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, um, the new one that I tried out, like, they kind of went a bit more intensive than the, my previous uh, AME. You know, it's kind of like, you know, they had me look into some kind of machine yeah. rather than just the old-fashioned eye test. Yeah. Or, like, if you skip the letters, like, okay, it's fine. You, can, you could see the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shop around on Mets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the word, everybody, especially in the airline industry, you know, there are guys that know that commute to some of these guys in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally get their medical, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Because they know they're in and out, you know, that, that doc's good, you know, or, you know, wherever, Georgia or whatever it mm -hmm. is. But, you know, you'll, you'll find out, like I said, it's well worth shopping around on your medical. Yeah, definitely. Just well, like DPEs. Yeah. You yeah. Know, uh, designated examiners. You'll get the prick. Yeah. And but eventually the word gets out about the prick. Yeah. Now how come I'm not getting anybody? You know, I only had two this year. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And here's the other guys. I don't want to say they're tripping over reindeer Santa Clauses, mm -hmm. but they realize, okay, yeah, let's try that one again. Yeah. 
Okay, fine. And later on, that's us. Okay, yeah. that VR approach didn't look so good. Let's see how you do on the ILS. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. He got through and you know, he'll debrief you. Yeah, here's what you need to do on the VR. And he gives you a little instruction kind of thing. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, and the word gets out. Yeah. So shop around on your examiners too. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, Jay, thank you so much for coming on. It was. I'm sure I'll, everyone uh, that will be listening to this will take a lot of uh, good information from it i know i did yeah no problem and if you guys want to contact me yeah give me a call i'll give you yeah. my phone number yeah uh 718-683-1212 i got time i'll you know, we'll sit there and we'll chit yeah, chat definitely well aj th- uh, hey, th- thank you so much for coming on as i said if i can get this mouse to start working and turn off the recording there you go well thank you so much for coming on and right, i really thanks do for inviting me yeah you're welcome you're welcome anytime if you want to Come in and, uh, you know, do another episode on updating where you are at. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for coming in.